Hello and welcome again to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy and I'm joined by Brad. Great to be with you, Amy. Likewise. Well, Brad, we are continuing our Missions History series. We had such a great time talking about William Carey these last couple episodes. So where do we go from here? Well, William Carey is a very well-known missionary and, as you said, has such an amazing story. But I'd like to share today about a missionary that probably no one has heard of before, but who has a story that we can learn so much from. And his name is Emil Fischbacher. Well, that certainly isn't a name you hear about often. No, it isn't. A funny name, but very inspirational story. Well, why don't you start by giving us a little context of Emil's life? Well, before I share about Emil's background, I have to mention the man who both paved the way for him to go serve overseas and also inspired him, and that was Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was the founder of the China Inland Mission, and we've got to do a podcast or two about him. Yes, we do. Well, Hudson once said this about, uh, about serving overseas. He said, unable to bear the sight of a congregation of a thousand or more Christian people rejoicing in their own security, while millions were perishing for lack of knowledge, I wandered out on the sands alone in great spiritual agony, and there the Lord conquered my unbelief and I surrendered myself for his service. And Emil Fischbacher was very influenced and inspired by Hudson Taylor's passion to see the lost receive the gospel. And just before Taylor died in 1905, he made a passionate plea to see more missionaries go to the interior of China. And so the China Inland Mission eventually sets his goal of trying to send 200 more missionaries to the interior. But a number of years go by, and they still haven't reached this goal. I see, and I'm guessing that this is where our friend Emil comes onto the scene. Exactly. Now, Emil was, was a very talented and promising young doctor in Scotland, just out of medical school. And he has the prospect of a, this very nice job that pays 3,000 pounds a year, which is a good salary back then. But in May of 1931, he reads an article in a publication called China's Millions, which was put out by the China Inland Mission. And the article is an open letter to young people and talks about this goal to get more people to the interior of China. And he just, he can't get this out of his mind. Later, he writes this in his journal. I constantly rolled over in my mind this question. Did I study medicine in order to preach the gospel or to be a physician? When I saw this appeal for commitment to missionary work in China in this year's June edition of China's Millions, it constantly lingered in my mind so that there was no way I could not go. And so he signs up then to join the China Inland Mission. That's right. And as it turns out, he is the 200th person to answer this call for missionaries going to the interior. That is quite remarkable. Now, I'm curious about the journal entry that you read. Why did Dr. Fischbacher feel he could either preach or be a doctor, but not both? I've certainly known people who were medical missionaries and also had a tremendous impact on sharing the gospel with others. Oh, absolutely. I think there's tremendous opportunity, perhaps more than ever, to use vocational skills and mission. So I'm not sure when he writes, be a physician, if his meaning is be a physician in Scotland. But, you know, obviously we can't ask him for any clarification at this point. But we will see that his medical skills actually end up being a very important part of the ministry he has in China. I see. So Dr. Fischbacher signs up to join the China Inland Mission. And what happens next? Well, Emil comes from a very affluent family. And his father offers to just pay his costs so that he wouldn't have to raise support. But Emil turns him down because he wants to have the faith, the faith-building challenge of relying on God for his support. So that's probably a timely challenge for us, isn't it, Amy? Indeed. 
So then on, on New Year's Eve, 1931, Emil boards a ship from England bound for the port of Shanghai. And they arrive in February. But this is the period of time leading up to World War II. And, and just before they arrive, the Japanese actually attack the harbor there in Shanghai. And so right off the bat, he delays language school so that he can care for injured Chinese soldiers. And it's around this time that he's assigned to go to a province in far west China called Xinjiang. Ah, yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, me too. And he stays uh, in the east and, and prepares for a little while. And then he's joined by five other young men who have also answered this call to go to the interior. And in September, they leave for Xinjiang. And they're accompanied by this veteran missionary named George Hunter. And needless to say, Amy, we've got to do a podcast about George Hunter. Yes, that is for sure. For those of you who've never been to our office, there's a picture of George Hunter that's prominently displayed on our wall. Right, kind of a hero of mine. And he had been serving in Xinjiang for nearly 30 years at this point. And he comes to the, to the East to accompany these three young, or excuse me, these six young men to Urumqi, the capital of the province. And because of the Japanese attacks and things going on, they had to take this very roundabout way through Inner Mongolia. And their truck gets stuck and breaks down. And it isn't until November that they actually arrive in Urumqi. And, oh, by the way, there was also a rebellion going on by one of the minority groups that live in that region called the Hui. And so this delays them as well. Wow, that's quite a journey. So let me see if I understand this correctly. Dr. Fischbacher boards a ship on December 1931 and doesn't arrive at this assignment until almost a year later in November. Yes, I will never complain about those long international flights again. Good point. Well, And along the way, we have some really interesting journal entries that Emil writes. While he's traveling through the vast interior of China, he, he writes this. I'd like to, to note a startling fact. I've only seen one evangelical base through my journey of 2,900 kilometers. Why is there no preacher among the people living in the villages, the vast Mongolian plain, or urban areas? Isn't this a challenge of prayer to all of you? Yes, and sadly, this still describes a lot of places in the world. That's right. And so Emil finally arrives at his assignment in Urumqi on November 9th, after more than 10 months of travel and waiting to get there. And six months later, his teammates are burying him after he dies from typhus fever. Wow, this story just took a very sad turn. It's hard to understand how someone with such dedication and willingness to serve would be granted such a short time to fulfill his calling. Yeah, I felt the same way when I first read his story. But l let me fill in a few more of the details of his time in Xinjiang. As I mentioned earlier, there's a rebellion happening in the region, and the city where they are, Urumqi, is soon under siege by the rebel army. And Emil begins to work tirelessly to help the wounded, primarily by performing surgery. We have this journal entry from this time. He says, This is a chaotic war region, but God brought us through with his marvelous protection. Although we are in a storm of shot and shells, we are not all at all afraid. At the request of the former provincial governor, I promised to perform major emergency operations on men with sword and bullet wounds. Yet, other wounded soldiers were continuously brought in. The first time I entered the hospital, I saw a wounded soldier with a thigh bone broken into five pieces. It's really horrible. Think about it. More than 300 men with major and minor wounds, many of them not having been attended to. The whole hospital is really dirty. The smell is awful. I'm incredibly busy with medical instruments, without medical instruments, and even medicine. Perhaps I have to learn how to perform faith healings. Wow. 
It sounds like really difficult circumstances. But Dr. Fishbacher still had faith and perspective amidst it all. Yes, we, we really saw, he really saw the opportunity that God was providing at this time. But eventually, an epidemic of typhus begins to sweep through the city. And this is the final entry that Emil puts in his journal. He says this, When I got home, I didn't feel quite right. I had been working nonstop with insufficient sleep. There are over 400 wounded soldiers in the hospital, and in my ward, 125 in critical condition. Many have not taken a bath for two or three months and are awfully dirty. They have insufficient nutrition, and there aren't enough staff to care for them, with the result that most of the burdens fall on us overworked foreigners. The past three months have plunged me into the real conditions of the Chinese people, but we may have to wait many years before seeing such an opportunity for the gospel again. It's so inspiring and heartbreaking at the same time. Yeah, and so in, in May of 1933, Emil Fischbacher dies of typhus fever at the age of 29. Ah, oh, so young. Brad, how can we make sense of Emil's story? I have to imagine that some of our listeners are wondering why. Did the Lord really honor Emil's commitment and sacrifice by taking his life so soon after he arrives? It's a good question. And God's ways can be hard to understand sometimes, as you know. You could also think about all the people that he might have been able to help back in Scotland over the years if he had just stayed there and been a doctor. And the mystery of his death, I think, is highlighted in, in the person that dies within a few days of him. And his name was Percy Mather. And he was also a veteran missionary and had served in the interior of China for over 20 years. And so you could look at Percy Mather's life, at least, and say, well, he was able to minister for a long time and, and have an impact before he passed away. But, I mean, six months isn't much time. No, it isn't. Well, I know you've taken a particular interest in Emil Fischbacher's story. So what have you learned from his brief time serving in the interior of China? Well, what happens next is what surprised me the most about his story. His sacrifice on behalf of the people does not go unnoticed. And there's this large funeral procession through the streets of Arumchi for Percy and, and Emil. And the governor even sends his personal band to play as they walk through the streets, which I guess was a, a big deal. And later, one of the missionaries who was there wrote this about the scene. And I'm going to let you read some of these next passages because I'm going to have a hard time getting through them, Amy. I'll sure do my best. Here's what it says. Dr. Fishbacher, disregarding his own life, threw himself entirely into the work of caring for the wounded. His dedication to the work not only greatly encouraged us, but moved the heart of everyone in the city. Government officials of all ranks praised him as a man who gave up his life for the sake of righteousness. And on the memorial presented by the local government was written in large characters, he sacrificed himself to save others. Wow, that's such a powerful witness in the midst of such a chaotic time. Yes, and so people back in England read this, read about Dr. Fishbacher's life and sacrifice, and he becomes an inspiration for people to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Even his own brother goes and serves in China for many years as a result of seeing God's work through Emil's life. And a little book is written about Emil, and the title is To What Purpose? And the author of this book kind of explores this mystery surrounding Emil's death after such a short time serving overseas. And Amy, why don't you read this passage? I think it's, it's such a good one that was written about Emo. It says, From the perspectives of investment and return, it is hard for us to understand what Dr. Fishbacher and Mr. Mather got in return from their services. 
but investments and returns in life are a mystery. Dr. Fishbacher's missionary sister recalled, We prayed for God's blessing for his ministry so that it would bear fruits and bring glory and praise to his name. But we were willing to let go and accept whatever way God chose to answer our prayer. Such are not self-comforting words. In fact, Dr. Fishbacher's brother committed himself to missionary work because of him. The family did not complain to God about Dr. Fishbacher's death. Rather, they became much more involved in missionary work. And isn't that a far better testimony? It is difficult to just say the process of ministry is more important than the outcome. What is certain is that God is sovereign. He let us fulfill his mission for us in his perfect time. The wonder of life lies in being able to live for the Lord at the present. It is a life worth living for to be able to exemplify his wonderful deeds in every circumstance. Wow, again, very powerful words. Now, Brad, you mentioned to me before that you had a personal connection to this story. Can you share more? Well, after I read about the story of Emil Fischbacher, I remembered that my wife, a number of years ago, had the opportunity to go and see the grave of Percy Mather, the man that died around the same time as him. And so I started looking through some old pictures, and I found one that my wife had taken of Percy Mather's grave. And, and I looked closer, and sure enough, right next to it was the grave of Emil Fischbacher. And on it was this marble book with the inscription, To What Purpose, in both Chinese and English. And that really caught my attention. I wondered, why is the title of that book engraved on this grave? Yes, that is very interesting. Yeah, so I started doing some research, and apparently this book was eventually translated into Chinese. And the Chinese church was so inspired that this foreigner would come from a distant land to share the gospel in this remote part of China. And they saw this as a challenge that they needed to be doing the same thing. And so Emil's life became this rally cry for, for the Chinese church. Wow, what an amazing legacy. Well, Brad, it looks like we are about out of time. This has been such a moving story we've looked at today. Any final words about the life of Emil Fischbacher? Well, last year I was speaking with a group of students and I shared this story. And I asked them, you know, if we were to bring Emil Fischbacher here today somehow, what do you think he would say about his choice to go to China? Do you think he would say it was worth it? And I want to say again what, what I said that day. And that is that I think he would say it was more than worth it. Obeying and trusting the calling of God is the best path that we can be on. Amen. Well, Brad, it has been wonderful to talk about God's past work again. We look forward to being with you all again next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs>